Amen. Amen. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you give us the privilege and the honor to be here today, Lord, to worship you because you are holy. You are mighty. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Lord. And we thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord, and all that you've enabled us to do. Lord, at this time, as we get into your word this morning, we pray that your word would go forth anointed by you, by your hand, Lord, and that, Lord, we can just be, we can be ministered to wherever we're at. Every person in this room, I pray, Lord, that you would just touch them and, and meet them right where they're at, Lord, and encourage them to move forward in Christ, Father. Lord, bless this time, Lord. Guide us and lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. God, say hello to the person next to you. Hey. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Good morning. Well, like Sean mentioned, I get to, uh, I get to talk about the, uh, our upcoming event. You've seen the insert, Hot Off the Presses, just came out. And uh, you're going to see it uh, a couple times in the next few weeks. We have our couple's Valentine's dinner coming up. How many of you are going to sign up for that? Awesome. Okay. Well, we need a few more than that, but uh, <laughs> Awesome. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a real blessing. We've got a very special evening planned for you. Um, as you'll see on the insert, it says gourmet dinner. Okay? I, di- I didn't write that down when I requested the insert, but <laughs> it says gourmet dinner. Now, I asked uh, Jeff about it, and he says they're not sure what that's going to be yet. But knowing Jeff and Des, you know it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be a real blessing. Now, if by chance you, you can't make it, but you'd like to help with the event, we're also, we also need servants. We'll need a group of servants at, uh, at, at 5 o'clock on that day, and then another group at 7 o'clock to help with the cleanup. Okay, so we've got a very special night, as I said, uh, planned out for you. We have saxophonist uh, Nair de Leon, who was with us last year. Remember that? And I've challenged him a little bit, you know, because he, he did really good last year, but he kind of like did dinner music for the whole hour. And I'm saying, no, come on, I know God has given you a gift. So the second half hour, you know, that second half hour after, uh, hopefully after we're done eating, uh, I told him, you know, use the gift. Use the gift. Praise the Lord and use the gift that God has given you. Pastor Mike has a special message uh, for us that he's, uh, that he's uh, preparing and, and uh, we also have some comedy on that night. Now, typically what we've been doing for the last number of years is, is we'll find a good video somewhere and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll put a video up there for 20 or 30 minutes and we'll laugh. And it's great. But this year we have a very special per- this, this guy is really hard to book. Okay? He's really, he's, he's so, no, I won't say that. Uh, he's, really, he's really a blessing, though. He's one of our very own. We're going to have Lark Wartney here to do some comedy for us. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's neat. You know, he, he, uh, he showed me once. He showed me probably a month and a half ago. He showed me all the material he has on his iPhone. Right? And he just kept, you know, you know how you, you swipe and you swipe. And I said, hey, hey bro, <laughs> you only have 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> So he's, he, he promised to cut that down in two. So it's going to be really neat. Oh, and then he, a couple weeks later, he says he lost everything. 
He lost everything. So I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I better start looking for some videos. Um, but no, he came back the following week, and he recovered everything. So it's going to be neat. It's going to be a real special evening. It's only $40 per couple. So if uh, you'd like to be a part of that, sign up as soon as you can. Our couple's Valentine's dinner. Today, today is January 20th. Some of you didn't know that, right? And how many times do you get up in the morning and you know, you know, it's a, some of you might be really good at this, but I know I'm not. You know what the date is. Okay. You know, you might know what the day is, but do you know what the date is? Until later on, you need it. You need to write it down on something or you need to, you know, whatever you do at, at work, uh, you need that information. <clears throat> well, today is January 20th. I just thought I'd tell you that. But about three weeks ago, three weeks ago tomorrow, we started a new year, didn't we? We started 2019. And what typically happens at the beginning of a new year? Hopefully, you, uh, maybe you set some New Year's resolutions for yourself. Maybe you set some new goals for yourself. If you did, how's that going? <laughs> I get a few laughs there. That's cool. Um, how's that going? And if you didn't, why didn't you? Because it's true, at the beginning of every year, that's a good time to set new goals and to establish new disciplines in your life, isn't it? Now, if, you've, if you're like me at all, I've had more years than I'd like to admit that those, uh, those, those New Year's resolutions by the end of January, you know, are gone, right? So we can always start a new one in February, right? You can start new, you know, new resolutions. You can start new disciplines. You can set new goals at any time of the year. Oftentimes we do it at the beginning of the year. And it's a good thing to do. But what happens with those goals, with those disciplines? What happens is that the urgent things in life get in the way, don't they? The urgent things in life get in the way of the important things in life. Those things that we know we need to focus on get pushed to the back burner. They get pushed to the back of our lives. They, they become a secondary issue. Why? Because life gets in the way. Life kind of takes over. And sometimes what gets put on the back burner are the spiritual disciplines that we've thought about. But at the start, again, at the start of a new year, it's a great time to develop new disciplines. And, and, and not because you have to. Now, if you go to work, there's a bunch of things that you have to do, right? Because that's what you were hired to do. But with, with the things of the Lord, you don't do things because you have to. You do things, why? You do things because you want to. In my walk with Christ, every change that I make, I make because the Lord has given me a new heart. He's given me a new heart. He's renewed my mind. He's given me new life. He's enabled me to move forward with hope and with strength. Why is that possible? I'll tell you why that's possible. I'm glad you asked. It's possible because, because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for me. He, he, again, he gave me a new heart. And my number one motivation is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, making spiritual growth and all the benefits that we read about in his word, all the benefits of walking with him, making those things a reality because of what he accomplished on the cross for me. 
I love the, the phrase, and I use this often, you know, but it's, it's such a good phrase. You, I'm sure you've heard it before. He paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? He paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. So the number one reason I do what I do is that the Lord first loved me and gave his life a ransom as a ransom for me. That's my first motivation to start new disciplines, to set new goals, especially spiritual goals. So beginning with new disciplines and good habits is, is, is a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing, and usually it does produce good results. You're better off than you would have been, even if you fall short, even if you don't quite make it for the whole year. Because you can always start over, can't you? You can always start over with the Lord. In fact, Scripture tells me that the Lord will bless me and not forget the attention and the trouble that I put into my walk with him. He will bless me as I try to draw closer to him. He will not forget the work that I have done in his name as, you, as I serve him, as I seek to serve him by serving his people. So every new thing that I do in my walk, every new discipline that I establish is going to, is going to bring about blessings and benefits that I, can, I cannot reproduce anyplace else. See, the peace of God can only come from God himself. The joy of the Lord can only come from the Lord himself. And the riches of his grace can only come from his hand of grace. So my topic this morning is holiness. And I want to look at how scripture says we can live a life of holiness. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as we begin. You see, we are called to holiness. And we are challenged to be partakers of his holiness. And we are told that we should yield to holiness. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Paul wrote this letter, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, he was dealing with the many problems that believers in the church were facing. They were facing the, the pressures of life, the challenges of life, the challenges of living in a metropolitan city that was a, a major hub of commerce. Corinth was a city that offered prosperity and freedom of lifestyles and moral standards. But freedom that is misused, freedom that is misused can very easily lead to corruption. It can lead to compromise. It can lead to idolatry and even decadence. Those were some of the problems that had infiltrated the church at Corinth. And here, Paul challenges the believers in Corinth to focus on the one who has saved them. Focus on the one who has sanctified them and the one who has given them the hope of heaven. That needs to be our focus. I love the way Paul begins this letter because, because from the beginning he very directly deals with, with, with who the believers in Corinth are to be identified with. And hopefully we can get some encouragement from that point. 
He reminds them that they are called to be holy. Those that have been sanctified in Christ Jesus are called to be holy. They are called to be saints, to be set apart. You know, you can very easily see that there are many similarities between Corinth and modern-day Southern California. If you walk outside to the parking lot and you look north, you're going to, within a, a few moments, you're going to see a big jet take off to the west, unless the wind has shifted. But you're going to see a big jet take off. You might even see a couple while you're walking to your car later on. You're going to see a lot of activity just a few blocks from here at Ontario International Airport. So we live in a metropolitan city, don't we? Now, I work in Orange County and on Beach Boulevard, there's a, there's a huge billboard in the Asian communities there around uh, Bolsa Avenue. There's a huge billboard. I mean, it's one of the big billboards, right? About how you can fly to China from where? From Ontario International Airport. You can fly to China. I, I'd say that we are a major hub of world commerce, aren't we? We're a major hub, so we have a lot of the different situations available to us as they did in Corinth. We live in an area that is a major hub for worldwide commerce, an area where compromise and corruption are easily accessible. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Bless you. See, as believers, we have a calling upon our lives. And we should keep in mind that in the midst of the challenges that we face, day in and day out, we are called to be set apart. The challenge for Paul as he addresses the Corinthian church is that even though there are pressures in life, even though there are challenges in life, even though we face struggles every day, the church, the body of Christ is called and sanctified. To be holy. To be sanctified is to be set apart. To be holy is to be without spot or blemish. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, I think I put 15, but we'll start at verse 13. It says, Therefore, girding up the loins of your mind, being sober, perfectly, perfectly hope for the grace being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but according to the Holy One who has called you, you also become holy in all conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Here in this epistle, Peter is, is writing to the Jewish believers. And they are struggling. They're in the midst of persecution. And Peter encourages encourages them to conduct themselves courageously for the person and the plan of Jesus Christ. He tells them that their character and their conduct must be above reproach. Instead of living the way we used to live, we have to rise to the challenge of living a life of holiness, working, working and I do mean working, because it takes work. And we're never going to quite get there completely, but it's a, it's a process, it's a journey, it's a blessing but it takes work. Working to be without spot. To be without blemish in every part of our lives. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
So whether, whether we're facing the, the challenges like those in Corinth with the busyness of life and the temptation to compromise, or if we're dealing with, with religious persecution that the believers were experiencing, the solution is the same, isn't it? The solution is the same. And the solution is to understand who you are in Christ Jesus as a believer. If you're a believer here today and, and, and you need to understand and we all need to understand and remind ourselves that uh, who, who am I in Christ? Who am I in Christ? Not who am I in myself, in my own strength, but who am I in Christ? Now, if you're not a believer here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, don't wait another day. Because then you can, you, you can have the Lord inside your life, in your heart, beginning that work on the inside, working its way to the outside, and having all the blessings and the benefits that God has for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. So don't wait if you are not a believer. But if you're a believer, you understand. You may understand what I'm saying is that we need to, we need to be identified with our Savior. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer, your identity is set and your future is secure. If you are a believer, you have what it takes to step out in faith and to move forward and to do the things of God. See, we can get rid of the old man and make room for the new man that we are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul explains to Timothy that we have all that we need to be holy. Beginning at verse 7. It says, For, not as given, for God has not, not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore you should not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. It's not according to what we can do. It's according to his plan and his grace, isn't it? God the Father has saved us and called us with a holy calling. By his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, he's given us the ability to focus on the things of God, to live according to his purpose. So it's not for us to show what we can do for God. Instead, we should demonstrate who we can become through him, shouldn't we? Now, holiness can only happen when we put on the righteousness of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, we won't turn there. I'm just going to make mention of it. You have the armor of God. And one of the key parts of the armor is called the breastplate of righteousness. If we put on the breastplate of righteousness like a, like a, piece, of, a piece of armor, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, then... then it, we're going to be able to accomplish so much because that is the righteousness of Christ. You put that on like a piece of, of armor. You put that on and it protects your heart, doesn't it? Protects your heart and your midsection. And the other pieces of the armor, of course, protect the rest of your, your body. But you put on the breastplate of righteousness 
you put on the righteousness of Christ. See, it's not a righteousness that we can earn. It's not a righteousness that you can feel. It's a righteousness that is received when we accept the free gift of eternal life, as I mentioned. When you accept the free gift of eternal life, you put on that righteousness and the Holy Spirit abides in you. The question is, are we going to live in that reality? Are we going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to let all the things, all the stuff that can weigh us down and keep us down continue to have more influence in our lives than, than it should? When we do that, when we put on the righteousness of Christ, it gives us a sense of confidence and awareness of our standing and our position of who we are in Christ. In Christ, we can be set apart, consecrated to the things of God. That's why it's so important to develop a strong walk with the Lord. You know, holiness, and you know, sometimes there's terms in Scripture that can be a little bit intimidating. You know, or I'm not there yet. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a scholar or whatever, you know. And, uh, but we, it doesn't have to be. It could be, we can simplify it very easily, can't we? Because how do you get to living a life of holiness? You get to living a life of holiness by establishing some basic spiritual disciplines in your life. Christianity 101. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer and spend time with the body of Christ. Now, there's plenty of subpoints in each of those three, but that's where it begins, isn't it? Spend time in his word. You know, some of you have uh, the Bible on your phone. I don't bring my phone up here, but I have it. And if you don't have, if you have an iPhone, you can just go to the app store and get a free download on, and boom, you've got the Bible on your phone. We have access to God's Word. How many Bibles are there in your house? We have access to God's Word, and, and we have access to prayer. You can have a conversation with God at any time of the day. Wherever you're at, no matter what you're doing, you can talk to the Lord, can't you? And do we do that? We can do that. And, and we give ample opportunity. We also have the, the prayer chain. We're close to 100 people will know about your prayer requests if you're willing to set aside your pride, because sometimes pride will keep us from, you know, asking for prayer. If you're willing to ask for prayer, no matter what your situation is, about 100 people, if it's not more than 100 now, will relatively soon, pretty quickly, they're going to hear about that, about that prayer request, and they're going to lift your needs up. And it's, it's, it's powerful. When you do that, you give others an opportunity to be a part of your life, to be a part of your struggles, to, to lift your name up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So you spend time in His Word, you spend time in prayer, and you spend time with the body of Christ. Sometimes I'll, if I happen to be at the front door as service ends, I'll kind of joke around a little bit and tell somebody, maybe, you know, not going to get a donut? They're free. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. They're free. You know, and if they choose not, that's fine. But some people do, and some of you may. As soon as service is over, you're going to make a beeline for the parking lot. Parking lot. I know there's a game in a little while. 
Okay, but I'll, I, I'll, I'll, we'll get you out in plenty of time. Okay, we'll get you out in plenty of time. And my encouragement is hang out with the body of Christ. Hang out with the people in this room. There's really a lot of neat people in this room. There's some weirdos, but that's, you know, I won't, I won't get into that. You know, hang out with the body of Christ. My son's in the back, and uh, he tells, he, he was traumatized as a child. Because uh, we used to do, at another church, we used to, we used to do uh, follow-up after service. And, you know, that took a little while. And, you know, at the time he was in third or fourth grade or something like that. So that's where he learned how to vacuum. In children's ministry, because we were the la- he was the last kid to get picked up. But he was a blessing, and he still is a blessing. But, you know, hang out with the body of Christ. There's really a lot of neat people in this place. There's really a lot of neat people. And, and, and you know, for some of the people we met when we first became believers, they're lifetime, lifetime friends, even if we don't see them often. They're lifetime friends, and whenever we do see them, it's, 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 like, it's, it's just so refreshing. A couple years ago, I had lost an, an uncle, and his, one of his daughters, and I, I barely knew, really, I, I barely knew. We knew a little bit about my cousin, and, uh, and I, I didn't even know that she had moved up to Seattle. Because we didn't, we weren't that close as cousins. Uh, when we were very small, we were a little bit close, but not. We didn't grow up a lot together for different reasons. But my uncle passed her dad, and she asked me to to say a few words. You know, it 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 still had to be a Catholic thing, and and it still had to be um, you know the the uh, the the memorial service the night before the the funeral and all that. And she asked me to say a few words, but it's, it's, it was so neat because she's been a believer for a long time in a Spanish ministry up in, up in Seattle. And we talked, literally, and I hadn't talked to her in probably 20, 25 years. We talked for two hours, you know, because there was that fellowship, because there was that what we had in common was Christ Jesus. Because the body of Christ can do that. You can, you can hang out with the body of Christ. You can be encouraged. You can be challenged. You can be prayed for. There's so many things that can happen. So again, get into the Word. Get into prayer. Spend time with the body of Christ. That's Christianity 101. And that gets us on the road to holiness. That gets us on the road to being sanctified. To being set apart for the things of God. Anything that we offer Him though it's not perfect, can be an offering that he can make perfect. We all have shortcomings. We all have things that keep us from giving a holy offering. See, some of us have hang-ups that we can't get past. Some of us have habits that we can't let go of. And some of us have a past that won't let go of us. We need to come before the living God. Lay everything down at his feet. Lay everything down at the foot of the cross and let him grant us that renewal and that restoration that we so desperately need every day. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12.
So again, we're challenged in scriptures to live a life of holiness. We're also instructed in scripture to be partakers of his holiness. To be a partaker means to participate or to be made a partner. It speaks of accepting and and of receiving and taking. It's a verb, it's a verb which means that action is required. So we'll begin at verse 9 of Hebrews 12. And it says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh into, who corrected us, and we gave him, we gave, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For truly they chastened us for a few days according to their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now chastening for the present does not seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised by it. To be partakers of his holiness, we have to take those shortcomings, those blemishes in our lives, we have to submit them to a holy God whose desire it is to make us holy. We have to take the things that are weighing us down, the things that are keeping us down, keeping us from the things of God. We have to surrender those things, allow the Lord to have his way of correction in those difficult areas of our life. Again, his goal is to grant us an advantage or to take us from a position of heaviness and burden and transition us to a position of of liberty and freedom, strength and joy. He will take the hang-ups that, that we can't get past, the habits that we, we won't let go of, and the, the past that won't let go of us, and he, he will turn it into an advantage or a profit if we are willing to surrender to his correction. As I mentioned, we have a, there's an important game. That clock is wrong. <laughs> there's an important game. starts in a little while. But in professional sports in general, this is a general statement, you know, if the game is tied at the end of regulation, that tie must be broken, right? On some sports, you have a provision for it to go down as a tie. But today, that's not going to happen. Today, that is not going to happen. You know, in football, you have sudden death overtime. In basketball, you have a five-minute overtime. In baseball, you have extra innings. In soccer, you have extra time and penalty kicks. And when you're in a tie game situation and the overtime or the, or the extra inning is about to start, which team has the advantage? Which team has the advantage? Well, typically it's the home team, isn't it? Why is it? The home team has an advantage because they don't have to get on an airplane later on. And they don't have to stay in a different hotel every night because they're on a road trip, which can last anywhere from a week you know, a week or two weeks, and sometimes even longer. So they're moving around, and they're staying in strange places, and, and, you know, but the home team is not traveling. The home team is at home, and they have the home, the, the, the crowd is behind them because they're the home team. They have home field advantage. But in any of these sports, the advantage can quickly change as the, as the momentum shifts. And the team that scores first can take over that advantage. 
often with some, with some good defense or a change in strategy, things can change and the advantage can shift very easily. Just the other night, the Lakers were in an overtime situation. They were on the road. They did not have home, home court advantage. But they, the momentum shifted for them. And in that five-minute overtime, they came out victorious. Last night, they didn't quite do it. They were in an overtime game again. They didn't quite do it. And the home team used the, the crowd to their advantage. So that, that can go either way. That, the, the momentum can shift. But in any of these sports, as the, the advantage can quickly change as the momentum shifts and the team that scores first can take over that advantage. You can, you can go from being down a number of points and staring defeat right in the eye with time running out. Things can change when, change when you make a correction. Things can change when you change your strategy or you establish new disciplines in your life. You can go from being down and out, behind in the score, and you can create an advantage for your team or for your life, and you can be on the way to a great come-from-behind victory, no matter where you are. Spiritually speaking, you have a home court advantage, don't you? You have home field advantage. Why? Because, again, you have access to the Word, and it's all over. You have access to prayer. You have access to the body of Christ. How many times every week do we have opportunity to gather together? You have access, so you can change that strategy. You can change that momentum. You could change with a, with a different focus. You can change things so that, what? So that the enemy of your souls doesn't have an advantage. You can change that shift very quickly because the enemy... The enemy, what does he want to do? He wants to ruin your life, doesn't he? It says in 1 Peter 5, you know, and I'll just comment on it, it's he, he, that, that he's, he's, he's looking around, looking for someone to devour, the Scripture says. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? He wants to devour you. He doesn't want you to take advantage. He doesn't want you to, to have a profitable situation in your life with regard to your walk with Christ. He doesn't want that, any of that to happen, because then you're victorious in Christ. He wants to take you down. He wants to ruin your life. But you, if you practice spiritual disciplines like the ones we're talking about here, you can be on the road to living a life of holiness, can't you? The enemy will use every tool to distract and to deceive us from using that advantage. That's what this verse is saying in Hebrews. That God will use correction and discipline for your, your profit, for your advantage, because he can turn a bad situation into a good one with a change of strategy, with a change of focus, with a new alignment, with some well-executed disciplines. Things can change. And many of you have, have that as part of your testimony where there was a turning point and something began to change. And I'll bet it's because of the disciplines that you established in your life, the spiritual disciplines that you had established in your life. And, and you know, conversely, if, 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 if you've fallen back, if you've fallen behind, if you, if you even, you know, if things aren't going so well, we can probably point to the fact that you've 
given up on some of those spiritual disciplines. Well, you can start over at any time. That's what the Lord is so good about, that we can start over with him at any time, at any point, at any place. Things can change in, in Christ. Though it may be grievous and difficult, things can change. It's not easy sometimes to lay your burdens down, is it? It's not easy to surrender your life completely. It's not easy to give up control of your life. But in the end, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. It will yield great things because we've gone through the regimen. We've, we've exercised vigorously. We have worked hard to turn things around. God will honor that work that you do, as I stated earlier from, he- from Hebrews uh, Chapter 10, verse 6. God will honor the work that you put into having a strong walk with Christ. As we surrender our lives to his hand of correction, we can see, we can learn, we can watch the Lord work all things together for good. As he puts us on the path to be partakers of his holiness, we draw closer as we exercise and work through these situations. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we see how, how we can be partakers. 2 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, According to... According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, through which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, so that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, Keep your finger there, and in a few moments we'll come back to 2 Peter chapter 1. But according to his divine nature, his divine power, he's given us all that we need to live a life of godliness. He's given us great and precious promises that when taken to heart can, can put us in a position to be partakers of the divine nature. When he says partakers of the divine nature, he's speaking of what can happen when the old man begins to change and become the new man in Christ. That's what happens when the Lord changes us from the inside to the outside. From the inside, that work begins, that work of sanctification, and it makes its way to the outside. And great things begin to happen. We're called to live a life of holiness, and we're told that we can become partakers of His holiness. We can also participate in His holiness when we're yielded to holiness. What is your favorite scripture or favorite part of scripture? There are so many places in scripture that we can all go to to gain insight, to gain gain instruction on how to pursue holiness, on how to get back on track with the Lord, on how to be more devoted and more committed to the things of God. There's so many places that we can go to, but for each of us, we may have a favorite place that we can go. 
a special place in Scripture that we hold close to our hearts. They're important because the Lord met you there and it was there that you experienced growth and a desire to surrender more, more of your life to the Lord. They're important because the Lord met you there and it was there that you experienced growth and desire. Maybe it's the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Maybe it's the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 that I spoke of one part of the armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Maybe it's the the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Then there's the virtue verses in Philippians 4 where it says, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, if if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, it says, think and meditate on these things. There's a similar list in 2 Peter chapter 1. That's why I said stay there. Because in verse 5, it says to be, to be diligent and to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. And then it says in verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is your favorite place in Scripture where you can go to get back on track, where you can go to be encouraged, where you can go to be strengthened? Whatever that is, We need to hang on to those, don't we? And go back to those often. When we practice spiritual disciplines, we develop qualities that move us toward holiness. When when that happens, life and ministry will be more effective and productive as we draw closer to our Savior. You see, when, when there's a work going on in the inside, and God is doing a work and ministering to your heart, and He's meeting you right where, right where you're at, and He's giving you comfort, and He's giving you strength, and He's giving you encouragement, and He's giving you so much more. That's the work that's going on on the inside. When that makes its way to the outside, that's where the opportunity to minister comes in. That's where the opportunity to serve comes in, because ministry is an outward expression of an inward change. When that inward work is being done, we have, to, we have to do something with it, don't we? We have to do something with it. And my brother Sal last week did a, a, a wonderful job and, and reminded us that we have to be careful not to neglect our children. We have to be careful and we have to be more willing to serve God by serving his people. So is there a place in Scripture that is dear to you? Maybe it's the verses that are being that were being taught when you got saved. For me, it was Ephesians chapter 5. It's funny that a long time ago, how be not drunk with wine was so important to me, you know. That's my old life. And that spoke to me at that point in time. But be filled with the Holy Spirit is what that, those verses. So I'll never forget that. And I'll go back to Ephesians often. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 6. Where is that place in Scripture for you? These are the principles and the encouragement in God's Word that we need to yield ourselves to. 
We need to yield our lives to those principles in Scripture that are living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That's Hebrews 4.12. I'll read that quickly. Hebrews 4.12, and I might be a little... Oh, no, it's there. Okay, it's there. <laughs> um, okay. We'll do this first. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what we need to yield ourselves to, is the word of God, is the, the, the time spent in prayer, is the time spent with the body of Christ. We need to yield ourselves to those things. I'm reminded... Many years ago, when I first started studying a little bit more, <laughs> I first started teaching. And I remember one commentator, and this is just has, has stood with me for all these years. And one commentator put it like this about Hebrews 4.12. He says, he says, the word of God is like, the, like a surgeon's scalpel. It's like a surgeon's scalpel that will dig into the deepest part of our being and will get rid of whatever needs to be pulled out. Whatever doesn't need to be inside our hearts, he'll pull it out. That's what the Word of God does. And at the very same time, as that scalpel's coming out, he will provide the healing medicines. I I thought that was just such a beautiful commentary on on what the word of god does because when you have surgery you know typically i might be off on this but typically you have surgery to either remove something to replace something or to fix something inside right you know and god's word does that with 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 regard to our hearts with regard to our spiritual life god's word will do that it'll dig into the deepest part of our being it will eliminate, it will get rid of those things that we don't need. And at the very same time, provide comfort and strength and hope and healing that we desperately do need. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Those verses that can, that can dig into the deepest part of our being and, and, and do the work on the inside. I need to remind myself of those verses that can get me back on track. And even if I'm on track, those verses can give me strength and renewal. Those verses can help me to move forward each and every day. In Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, it says, But thanks be to our God that you were the slaves of sin, But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Then being made free from sin, you became the the slaves of righteousness. I speak in the manner of men because of the the weakness of your flesh. But as, as you have yielded your members as slaves to uncleanness and to lawless act, unto lawless act, even so now yield your members as slaves to righteousness unto holiness. You know, one of the the greatest motivators, one of the greatest motivators in our walks with Christ is remembering who you were before you got saved. 
who you were before you got saved. Which path was your life following? Where was my life going before Jesus Christ revealed himself to me and gave me the gift of eternal life? Now, some of you maybe had a good life even before that. But a lot of us didn't. A lot of us, we were going in, in, in completely the wrong direction. But then God, God got a hold of our hearts and began that work of cleansing. Because I can remember, I can remember, and I, I thank the Lord often for delivering me from a, a destructive life. I was a slave to sin. I was focused only on the things that were pleasurable and plentiful. I was a slave to sin, but then when I heard the gospel, I heard someone teach from God's word, open up this book and speak truth into my life. I didn't like it at first, but I came back. And that's what God's word does, isn't it? I didn't get it right away because my mind was so clouded and my heart was so callous that it took a while. But with time and with a whole lot of correction, God began to show me the new life that he, that he had me set apart for. One step at a time, one change at a time, one lesson at a time, the Lord showed me and empowered me to no longer be a slave to sin. He taught me, and I'm still learning how to be a slave to righteousness. I no longer have to give into impurity, lawlessness, and rebellion that I used to give into. Now I can be a slave to righteousness and to God's plan for my life. Now I can yield myself to be a slave of righteousness that leads to holiness. Now I can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be an instrument in the hand of God. I don't know how God's going to use me, but I know he's going to use me. If it's as an usher or if it's as going up to convalescent once, once a, a month, or if it's helping my wife in hospitality, and I do say helping because she does all the cooking, or if it's serving in marriage ministry. Did, did I mention we have a Valentine's dinner coming? Okay. Wherever it is, wherever we serve, we're serving God by serving His people. And He will use you as you surrender your life to Him, as you commit more and more of your heart to Him, as you open up your heart and let Him fill your heart. See, now I can understand that I'm called to be holy. I can know that He wants, wants me to participate in His holiness. And I realize that I can be a slave to righteousness which leads to holiness. Again, spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with the body of Christ. So my question for you in closing is, are you hungering and thirsting for the things of God? Because if you are, you will be filled are you open to his correction? Because if you are, he can make your life more profitable and more fruitful. If I respond to the calling that he's placed upon my life, I can be a vessel of honor that God can use. So seek. Seek to live a life of holiness and watch Watch what God will do. Seek to live a life of holiness 
and let him bless your life. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, Lord. We thank you for the beauty of your word, the power of your word, Lord. We thank you for the the spirit that you give to us, the Holy Spirit, Lord, that empowers us and enables us to do the things that you want us to do, Lord. We don't have to do anything on our own strength. Lord, I pray that as, as you do that work on the inside and you give us a new heart and you renew us day by day, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to receive all that you have for us and help us to find an outward expression to the work that you're doing, to the inward change that you're doing in each of our lives. Lord, I pray for every person in this place. Meet them right where they're at. Every believer in this place. And for every non-believer, I pray, Lord, that if they're not, for whatever reason, if they're not willing, if they're not able to receive the free gift of eternal life, Lord, I pray that you would keep knocking on the door of their hearts until they open up their heart to your goodness, to your grace, to your love. God, do that work in each of our lives. Do that work in the hearts that are in this place, the hearts that are within the sound of my voice. Father, we just thank you. We give you glory at all the mighty things that you do in us and through us, Lord. Bless this time as we fellowship here. and Bless this church, Lord, because we love you and we want to do, we want to serve you by serving your people. God, we just thank you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, sign up for the couple's uh, dinner so that if we need to order tables, we'll know. So please stand and God bless you guys.
it is. May you be filled with his glory as well. God bless you guys. There is prayer up front. Have a wonderful day.